Hi, welcome to the Back to Biz School podcast. I'm your host, Brian Tse, and on this episode, we'll be continuing with the second half of my interview with Siu Ting. She'll be sharing her GIP, Global Immersion Program, experience in Japan, her career switch to social enterprise, and her overall thoughts and advice on the NUS MBA program. Let's dive right in. talk about GIP but you already preluded to the GIP just now as well and I'm pretty sure when I ask you about GIP you'll say something that I, I my whole list of questions you're asking yourself but yeah do do tell us more about the GIP as well when did you go for it I went in February February also just nine months ago yes that's right and, and how was the GIP it was in Japan and um it, and I think one unique thing that maybe listeners do not know is that the GIP is actually run by the students. So it's actually uh, the, the MBA pro- programs office will say, hey, this is your opportunity to plan a GIP. Please submit your proposals and we'll pick the best one or the most appropriate one. And then we'll make it available for the students to go to. So it's, it's very student, student uh, organized style GIP. So how was it for you and where do you go? So um, we're very lucky. Uh, to be selected for the Japan trip because it was very popular. Uh, first of all, it was one of the first GIP that started after the pandemic. So I uh, was able to join the next batch or, or the batch between the two of us, you know, the August 2022, 2022 intake batch for, for the Japan GIP trip. Um, we went to three different um, states, I think Tokyo or three different areas or Prefectures, uh, I think they're called. Yes, thank you, prefectures. I do not want to be <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo, Osaka, and Kyoto. Uh, okay. it, it is, like you say, uh, student-led. So the students did a very good job. Uh, Mikito, Takeshi, and Yuki. So they, they did a very good job of organizing and liaising with, with the companies. So we had a very packed um, period of time where we visited many, many different companies, which is a very diverse group of companies um, and, and, and be able to interact and, and uh, have fun with each other during the trip. And eat lots of good food. I'm yeah. Maybe uh, I shouldn't interview you. I should just stop the interview here. It's just envy and jealousy just going over the roof. But okay, tell us. Okay, okay. Let, let us let us know like one very interesting company that you visited and what you learned from it. So one of the companies that we visited is actually JR JR Express. So those who have been to Japan will know that they have the high speed trains and JR Express. Um, one of our colleagues actually works with them or our classmate, sorry, Mikito actually works with them and Mikito was able to arrange back of the house tour with uh, JR Express. What do I mean by back of the house tour? So we were able to have guides that bring us to see how does JR Express cleaned the trains in seven minutes. Uh, we had a presentation about how they do it, uh, which is two minutes, three minutes, and two minutes block in seven minutes time. So the two minutes block, for example, includes like greeting um, the customers or, or actually the passengers when they get off, and then three minutes of cleaning, and then two minutes of uh, greeting the customers when they get back onto the train itself. So we were able to see their cleaning stations, how they were arranged, the operational procedures and and yeah so so it was really a good back of the house tour to, to understand how the operations can turn around so quickly so that's something probably more unique that you will not have in elsewhere yeah. 
And and how long was this uh GIP? Because it's typically it's not as long as obviously an exchange, right? It's like five days or something. Uh, for us, it was around seven to eight days. Yeah. Seven to eight days. Wow, that was mm-hmm. nice. That was nice. And then obviously you took the Shinkansen around. In terms of application wise, it's uh similar to I would say the exchange as to having the point system as well. So I think maybe while you're thinking, let me elaborate. So in the NUS MBA, we actually have a point system. So every student will actually uh every activity they they attend or every activity that they organize or that uh, if they're part of EXCO or if they're doing some initiative, uh, there's actually a point system to show how much you participate. And, and obviously, the school will want to reward and to showcase these people uh, during, uh, for the exchange and for the uh, Global Immersion Program, the GIP, which we should have mentioned what, the, what it stood for <laughs> at the start. But yes, so yeah, how was the application process like? Because I'm sure it was pretty, very popular being, being Japan. Yeah, it was very popular. I think I had to write in to to apply for it. Um, but I don't think it was difficult to get over the application process. What other interesting things was available? I think we were very lucky to be able to to have uh, Amazon host us in their office, um, Amazon in, in Tokyo. So Amazon shared with us their operations um, in, in Japan and they are expanding. They have a few programs that MBA students are able to apply and enjoy. For example, under the internship program, there is the business leadership course, as well as the pathway leadership program. So I guess business leadership, you can tell it's more on the business side, but the pathway leadership program is more towards the operations warehouse side. And I just checked that they also have internship programs for finance manager. Um, that is the internship program. And they also have open positions for MBA students, which is the pathway leadership program for operations as well as the finance side. Mm. It sounds it sounds really, really interesting and fun, right? Amazon is a good place to be in. Japan is a great place to be in. But the big question I have for you is, do you have to be able to speak Japanese? Yeah, so I think they said that um, at the beginning, no, because actually a lot of them that spoke with us at the session itself, they all spoke really good English. I, however, I would imagine that eventually you would have to pick up Japanese within a year or two, if, especially if you're working in the operations front, you need to be interactive with other colleagues. So they did mention that you don't need Japanese, but I would say that it's, it's probably good to have. Um, number two, um, Amazon is a tech company, so I guess it's probably more open-minded than, than other uh, Japanese cultures, just more international, I would say, more international culture. Um, than, than just the traditional Japanese. Yeah. But I can't, I can't comment too much on it. This is what they say. Yeah. Because I'm yeah, yeah. not there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But very, I mean, you'll be, you'll be really cool to, to be able to work for them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on, uh, I have a question for you with regards to your, your, your job history, your work history. So I saw that you worked for Ace Senior, right? And that's actually yeah. a social enterprise. Yeah. And after that, you went to PwC and now you're in Vision Fund. So Vision Fund as well is a social enterprise. I guess you could say that, yes. In, yeah, in yeah. So to really elaborate, like, wow, like, like very interesting, um, very interesting career choice, right? I think most people just go for profit, 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 you know, but you're, you, want to, you want to help the world and all that. Please, like, tell us your decision process as to why you chose this career path and what working for these companies is like. 
I think um, I was very lucky to have transitioned from PwC to, to um, Vision Fund. Fund. Yeah, I think I had an experience in Myanmar. So for me, the transition was easier, but I took a pay card to went to Vision Fund Myanmar from PwC um, and started everything from there. And then when the pandemic happened, I, I came back to Singapore and they moved me to the global uh, function. Um, I would say that uh, for me, it was, it's, it's been quite an enjoyable experience uh, learning and working with, you know, operations in conflict and fragile contexts. It's very different from working in a Singapore context or in, you know, the regional Asia context, I would say, um, because it's things are relatively stable, uh, but in a fragile context, such as, for example, the political situation in Myanmar, we had to work to, to ensure that our operations survive, you know, not just during the pandemic, but also because of the political situation. So I would say that it comes with its balance of um, difficulties, um, as well as uh, and a fulfillment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you make the transition from PwC, which is more of a, you know, profit centric organization to Vision Fund? Like what, why Vision Fund? So in 2015 and 2016, I started to work with uh, pastors in Myanmar uh, to help them with their English education classes during summer. Um, in 2017, there was an opportunity that came for me to go with PwC in Myanmar, and I decided to go there for six months, a convent. It was during that period of time where I was very touched by um, what I saw. Growing up without money, I think I, I've always been, you know, thankful that I'm able to achieve like proper education. I'm also able to, you know, attend university, etc. So for me itself, poverty was an issue uh, or, or that was close to my heart. So when I was there for six months itself, I saw different, you know, different facades of poverty and but yet also the kindness of the people. So it was at that point in time, I decided to do look into opportunities in, into um, microfinance and, and you know, it took a year of finding and talking to people and understanding. And at a point of time, um, I was very lucky as well that the timing matched up because Myanmar was starting to open up, you know, and they were looking for people 2017, 2018. So the timing and everything was in line or the stars were aligned. So I, so I joined, joined them in 2018. Um, I would say that um, it is a huge, huge discount to my salary compensation. First of all, I have no CPF and unless I do it voluntarily, but being someone who had a huge pay cut, how, how would you, you know, you, you want to, you know, make sure that you have extra savings, et cetera, um, to be living in, in the country. But that's the, that's the backstory of why I decided to switch. I would say that, you know, living in, moving from the, richest country, one of the richest country, I would say, to one of the poorest country um, in Asia, I I was able to to learn different things, you know, in a different context. Yeah. I fully respect you. It's very noble. You're helping people. You're having a positive impact. 
And at the same time, you're still having a living for yourself. I thought I'm someone that lived life to the fullest really, you know. I, wow, you know, MBA and then got podcast. But compared to someone who is currently in Portugal from a, for a London <laughs> Business School exchange, wow, I, I, have much, I, have, I have much to learn. And I think that's one of the beauties of the MBA. Like you, you, the more people you meet, the more you realize like, wow, there's so many things that you can do. There's so many opportunities out there. Um, and yeah, it's, the, the sky's the limit, right? To, mm. It's a bit uh, cliche, but yeah. Speaking of MBA, what gave you that decision to go into the, the MBA when you were in the middle of Vision Fund? Because I saw that you've been in Vision Fund for like about five years already, right? And so in That's smack right. in the middle, in August 2021, you entered mm-hmm. the NUS MBA program. So why mm-hmm. you chose to do the MBA, NUS MBA? Mm-hmm. I think I've um, looked into MBA options and I started to apply in, I think, 2019. But however, you know, the pandemic hit in 2020. So I had to forego some of my um, successful applications and and decided to look into uh, opportunities in Singapore. And at that point in time, when I applied to NUS, um, my current boss actually gave me an opportunity to move from the Myanmar operations to the to the global team. So I took it and then decided to to apply to the NUS MBA program, which is also a part-time program. So I was able to keep my role as well as, you know, finish up my MBA, which which has been a fulfilling experience. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh I, I speak on both of us behalf when I say that luckily there's this part-time option, right? Because I don't I, I don't want to give up my, at least for me, I don't want to give up my current role. I, I'm actually enjoying my current role a lot. But at the same time, I do want to, to reap the benefits of the, of the MBA. And luckily for us, the NUS MBA has, has a part-time option. Okay, okay. And you were ex-co. You were in my current position now. You, you were the part-time liaison. And, and now I am the part-time liaison. So how was, how was uh, the part-time liaison? What was the biggest challenge being the part-time liaison? For us, we were one of the first few badges that had started to increase their, their size of their students, if I'm not wrong. Um, so that's why there were two part-time liaisons instead of just one part-time liaison positions. So it was me and uh, Alejandro. I think for, for us, uh, we really enjoyed what we did. Even though it was, you know, it had its own fair share of challenges. But for me, I really enjoyed knowing every student um, in, in our MBA. I can't say that I know every one of them, but I would say that I would know more, more most of them and be able to, you know, connect um, everyone together, you know, as a cohort, as a batch uh, with the full-timers as well. That was something I really enjoyed. Um, also being one of the first... I could say we were we were one of the batch that was a mix of hybrid as well as you know transition to uh, full time physical class. Uh, that has its fair share of challenges as well, um, because everyone when you go through transitions have different expectations of how this transition should end up. So I guess I guess managing the expectations of uh, part time students who have work experience is is also not. Not easy, but um, most of our classmates or majority or all of classmates are generally understanding. So, so it was easy to to work with them uh, and coordinate with the school as well. Mm-mm-mm. I remember the, I I me meeting you before I actually applied to be a part time liaison, and um, I was on the fence as to whether I should apply for it, and you said that one phrase that 
I love this one phrase, go big or go home. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, she said go big or go home. I guess I'll apply <laughs> for it, you know? Like, just to make full use. Do you even remember? You look you look very surprised. Do you even remember you, you saying that phrase? Susie? Yes, I did. I feel so bad, though. I feel like I stressed the students out, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, you were, you were, the, every, yeah, I remember the, the two students there were like, yeah, it's fun, it's fun. And you're like, it's a commitment. You, you know, you have to, you, you are committed to serve your, your batch base, which is great, right? You need someone to, to bring everyone back to, back to ground. On, I remember that that was a very memorable info session. Yes, and that's how I met you. Yeah. But I anyway, also say it was fun. Okay, I did say that, you know, you have yeah, to you put did, in, you did, you did. how much you get out of it, yes. Exactly, and so which leads me to my last question. Do you have any piece of advice for our current MBA candidates or anyone who's thinking of applying to to any MBA? I think first of all, you it's good to have a set objective about what you want to achieve out of your MBA. I think that will help you a lot in terms of planning ahead about where you want to go, where you want to end up. Um, I'm not saying that you need to have a 100% goal in mind, but having a 50 to 75% vague idea of what you want to achieve through your MBA will, will help you a lot. And this, I think this applies to all programs of what you want to get out of the program. Uh, because time flies, and, and by the time you're suddenly, hey, I'm done with my MBA, like a lot of us are very surprised, oh, we actually finished our MBA. Um, number two is, I would say, um, enjoy the process. I actually enjoyed it much more than, than I thought I would be um, because I actually put my, you know, put my all into everything I do, whether is it assignments or whether is it being, you know, having fun with my classmates or is it being in the exco or the global immersion programs, etc. you know, um, just try to enjoy the process. It will make everything much more fun and, and you know, create a stronger network for you as well uh, in, in the process itself. Obviously, don't just go in, you know, knowing that you want to build a network, but going knowing that, you know, you want to meet different kind of people, this diverse group of people, and you'll never have this chance ever again to meet people who have been, who have come together for a common purpose of doing an MBA uh, or education, you know, people from different backgrounds, people from different countries, careers, etc. So I think that that is a, that itself is a great learning opportunity. Um, more than just the classroom learnings of assignments um, and, and teachings, etc. So I would say that uh, just enjoy the process and make friends. Yeah, thank you very much, Shooting, for coming on. Um, please let us know how people can, can find you. So I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Just type my name and, and you can find me on LinkedIn directly. Yeah. Um. For everyone, uh, her her name on LinkedIn is Xiu Jing Xiao. So it's X I U space J I N G space S E O W. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much, Xiu Jing, for coming. It's very, um, very enlightening interview. The first half was just me being very green with envy. Uh, but I'm glad we brought it back down to reality a bit during the second half. Yeah, but no, no, it's like um, really a masterclass in how to make how to make best use of your time in the MBA. Thank you, Susie. Yes, thank okay. you. And that concludes my interview with Suting. It's been a really insightful experience speaking to her and getting her unique perspectives on the NUS MBA program and her career in social enterprise. Really hope all of you found it useful as well. 
We have a new guest next week, so stay tuned and don't forget to give this podcast a follow on Spotify or Apple. Until then, this has been the Back to Biz School podcast. Bye for now.